On today's podcast, from the North Walhalla Church of God, Pastor Neil continues in our current series, No Man Ever Spoke Like This Man. Today's message is from Sunday morning, April 8th, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Have your Bibles. I want you to go to John 15. We'll begin in verse 1, John 15, beginning in verse 1. We continue our series, No Man Has Ever Spoke Like This Man. Today will challenge your thinking on success. I will challenge your thinking on measuring spiritual things with carnal scales. I want to show you God's mindset is not our mindset. His ways are not our ways. As we just begin to flow through these five verses, I want to walk you to a place that you have understanding that away from Him, you can do absolutely nothing that has long-lasting eternal value. Now, you can do a lot of things. They just won't last. But the things that you do in him, by him, through him, relying on him, they will last when you're gone. The Bible said, Abel, even though he was dead, by offering a more excellent sacrifice, God testifying, God standing up and saying, I will tell you about this man. When God testifies on your behalf, you don't need nobody else to testify on your behalf. Then he said these words, that even though he be dead, his voice still speaks. See, that's the life I want to live. That even when I'm gone, my children still hear the words, not audibly, but by lifestyle, to tell them that if God can do it for me, then God can do it for you. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen today. Amen. Let's read. He says, I am the true vine. That's powerful by itself, not a vine, but true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, you've got to leave those two words in these verses. You can't take it out. You got to know his audience, who he's speaking to, who's walking by his side, going the way to the garden of Gethsemane. In me, that does not bear fruit he takes it away. I'm going to break down those two words. We've got a little different thinking about that. I'll walk you in a few moments. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That's an old school agricultural word that's not mentioned a lot today. But you that have farms, you know what I'm saying. He said he prunes that what? That it may bear not fruit, but more fruit. Verse 3. You already clean. This seems like it's out of place, but it's not. If you know John 13 and how he was washing the disciples' feet, he said, you already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you and they received. Watch verse four though. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot, cannot bear fruit of itself, cannot, I can have no fruit in my life. Without Jessica, there is no more fruit in the natural. You understand? Somebody say amen. amen. Please don't let me have to break that down. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in the I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do absolutely 
nothing. That's what I want to preach. I've been hearing the Holy Ghost say this to me for about three weeks for this body, for whoever needs it this morning. Apart from Jehovah God, whatever you do, it's not going to last. But what you do in God, through Him and by Him, it's going to have eternal value, eternal value. Even after you're gone, it's still going to carry weight. I want to flow in Almighty God this morning. Amen? I don't want to waste time as a pastor. I'm not here for a paycheck and I'm not a hireling. I want to bear fruit in the children's ministry. I want to bear fruit in the youth ministry, in the college of career, all the way up to our oldest saint in the church. I want fruit. And listen to me, we cannot weigh them by my trophies or your accomplishments. Your attitude will speak louder than your trophies this morning. Amen? We're going to talk about that. I hope you're ready. Stretch your hand this way, please. It is good to have Brandy Jones back with us. She was in Israel, had a life-changing experience over this last week. So good to have you with us. All our visitors, welcome to North Wahala. Get ready, buckle up. We're fixing to have church in this house this morning. Can somebody say amen? If you want to be successful today, you can go to any bookstore. You can look up on the internet and you can find five steps to success, 10 steps to success, three steps to success. Now, you got to define what success is in your own mind, though. And sometimes you can buy two different books about success, and they will contradict each other. And by the time you read both of them, you don't have a clue what success really is. People want to be successful, and I do as well. I want to be successful as a minister, as a father, more importantly, as a husband. I want to be successful that when I'm gone, that I can leave things or have done things by my attitude and my actions that will speak louder than my words. But the problem today in the modern church world, in our church culture, I believe that some of us, some of us, that even though we have the desire to be successful, we are measuring our success in the wrong scales. We are measuring our success on the scales of man and not the scales of God. In fact, to be honest with you, I want our church to grow. Last week, we had one of the largest numbers we've ever had in our church. But my attempt at growing the church should never be so I could pad numbers to make myself look good. The numbers should grow for two reasons. One, people are being saved. And if people are being saved too, then they're being disciples. And some of them will stay with us and serve and others we will send out and serve according to the book of Acts. In modern church culture, they would tell you, don't do that, Brother Nolan. If you keep every one of them, then you will be successful in the eyes of man. But have I come to please man or have I come to please God? Some ministers will stay, but some ministers will go according to Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. That's why you cannot measure success on the scales of man, but the scales of God. When I judge myself by the success of the world, I give myself a false sense of pride. And if I give myself a false sense of pride by patting myself on the back, then I lift myself up to a place that God has not ordained for me to be. To understand nobody is successful by themselves. If this church is successful, it's not because of Neil Nolan. I'm standing on the back of 103 years of somebody being faithful to give me a pulpit that I might preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are too many puffed up Christians who because of somebody else's good deed 
or somebody else was at a boy, a pat on the back, they see themselves as being successful. But I want to tear that down this morning. I believe that true success is a body of Jesus Christ. And that success is not measured on any scale but God's scale. And that scale will show us not by what you say you are, but by the fruit that you produce in your life. If your attitude and actions are not Christ-like, that you are producing fruit in your life, then you are not successful. I don't care what you do on Sunday. I don't care what time you have given. I don't care what you think about yourself. If you are not producing fruit, then you need to take off your righteous robe, self-righteous robe, and lay it down and come back and abide back in Jesus Christ. This is not about trophies. This is not about lifting Neil Nolan up or somebody else. This is about the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached. And not only preached, it's being received. And not only received, it's being applied. And not only applied, when it is applied, it will change your life and your family's life. And it will change your community if you will let it happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, give God praise if you believe that. Real quickly, let me set this up. In John 15, Jesus is teaching now on the spiritual art of fruit bearing. The purpose of the earthly existence of us after we are saved is to produce fruit that might bring to us spiritual success. Now understand the moment. In John 15, the last night of our Savior, if we understand, if we're walking towards the cross, He's already left John 13, the, the upper room. He's walked through John 14 and talked about spiritual cleansing. And now with his disciples, his, his staff, he leaves the upper room and he's marching eastward to the cross. As he's marching there, the master teacher by torchlight, I love this, is now making his way to the Garden of Gethsemane according to 14 and verse 31 of John. As he's making his way to understand that culture, now the moonlight would be full because it was the Passover. With that moonlight, now the disciples, it's like Brother Charles, the curtains are opening up and that becomes the chalkboard or the blackboard in which the master professor, the rabbi, the teacher of all teachers is now beginning to teach a powerful lesson to his disciples. He looks to them in verse one. He can see the grapes that are hanging on the vine and all of a sudden as they're walking, just like he talked much, much like with the tree that was cursed or the tree that was dying, now he looks to them and he says to John and Matthew, he says to them that he just washed their feet. He says, boys, by the way, I am the vine. He's on his way to die. And when I've taught you this, that when you're at the end of your life, you do not talk about things that do not matter. I did not know that Sister Hendricks would die last Saturday. I told you last Sunday morning, we were gonna honor her up on the screen. If you listen to the message last Sunday, I said you need to see her, but you need to do it quickly. But I did not realize it was so close. On the next day, on Resurrection Sunday, Sister Hendricks made her way to the Lord. But me, I should have known better, Brother Ed. When I met with her on that Saturday, it was not trivial talking. We talked about holy things. We talked about spiritual things. We partook or partake in the Lord's Supper. We had communion together. You want to know why? Because when your life is coming to an end, small things do not matter. You only speak about what is important. So I want you to hear me this morning. John 15 should not be 
jumped over. This is the words of our Lord at the last part of his earthly life. And he's telling, he's telling, he's screaming to his disciples to let them know, listen to me, when I leave, you're gonna be tempted. When I leave, some of you are gonna try to be the best and somebody's gonna wanna be the most important. Two of you, you will get your mama involved and you will try to get them to work things behind the scenes. But Jesus looks at them, brother Tony says, I want you to know who is still in charge. I want you to know who is still in control of this church. I come to let somebody know on our best days, we still cannot do the holy things of God. We can put new media in. We can have the best air conditioner and heat system. We can go out and give away every gift to entice people to come. But if they come and God does not show up, nothing of eternal value would ever be done here in 2018. Can somebody give God praise? He says, first, I am the vine, the true vine. Not a vine, not one of the vines. He says, I'm the true vine. He was letting them know there shall not be another. You can't pick, and I say this symbolically, not in the natural, physical. You cannot pick the wine that you like. He says, there's only one. Are you listening? Grapes make wine, you understand? He says, I am the vine. There's not another vine. There's not another way. That's like he said, I am, John 10, the door. There is no other door. It's Jesus Christ today, Jesus Christ tomorrow, and Jesus Christ forever. He says, not only am I the vine and the true vine, he wants us to understand that this is a parallel because in the past, Israel would be spoken of as the vine or the vineyard. But at that time, it would be spoken of her unfaithfulness or her sin. But Jesus was trying to let them know that I am the vine now and there's no unfaithfulness in me. There's no deceit or sin. And if you're gonna do anything with your life, you cannot do it outside of me. Listen to me. You did not get saved for a one-time moment so you could go back to your lifestyle and back to your old ways. Salvation changes everything about your life. It changes your mouth, it changes your mind, it changes your heart, it changes your dress, it changes your attitude, it changes every part of your life. There is nothing about salvation that leaves Neil Nolan the way he was before he got saved. You're not listening. Salvation goes to work and makes you not a made over, painted up box of what you used to be. It makes you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. That's not what we want to preach today because we don't want to abide in the vine and we don't understand that nothing can be done unless he does it. Now we fake it. Oh, we're the church of faking. We, we can fake it. We can put a video up. We can hire a big shot evangelist. We can get Jason Crabb to come in and pay him 10 grand to come sing. They'll pack this church out and we can fake it for a moment. But I'm not in the faking business, folks. I'm in the fruit business. I want to see lives change. I want to see the little girl that came last Sunday who her, her name was all over the news to let her know that there is still a church in Oconee County that believes that the blood of Jesus Christ can still set the cap to free. I'm not talking about painting it over. Are you listening? I'm talking about life changing. 
But see, that don't happen outside of Jesus Christ because I can't do it. Danny can't do it. Joy can't do it. Ed can't do it. Nobody can't do it. But if God shows up and if God applies the blood of Jesus Christ, we won't have to send every drug dealer to jail. The drug dealer can come down to the altar and confess his sins and God might save their soul and their life might be changed. By saying this quickly, I'm, I'm behind. By saying this, he's letting them know I am the vine. That independent thinking, an independent church, I'm not talking about denomination, I'm talking about excluding Jesus in our philosophy of faith. He was saying it will not work. He even says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And in that divine trinity or cooperation, it is unacceptable and impossible for us to act outside of our triune self. And since we do not operate that way, you cannot operate that way either. I wish somebody would hear me. He was saying, since you are in me, you must understand, North Wahala, that in every area of your life, I must be in control. Don't tell me how holy you are and speak in tongues and you beat your wife. Don't tell me how you give the most tithe but you speak down to your spouse. Oh, Brother Nolan, you're, you're, you're going too far now. No, the word goes further. See, what we're doing, we have an independent mindset that says, preacher, you preach what we tell you and you go by that way and we're glad to be saved, but we want salvation to touch the parts that we want it to touch. And Jesus shows up and says, I am the true vine. If you are in me and I am in you, then you're gonna produce much fruit. Let's, let's, let's push it. Let's go to verse two. Watch what he says. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. You understand? But let's move quickly. By understanding that he is divine and that if we're saved and abiding in him, then our life is set on a, a course to produce fruit. The scripture says if we don't, he takes it away. We've always preached this at this moment that he just cuts it and throws it away. I, I don't think that's what it means. If you understand the translation and who he's speaking to, there's another terminology that, that really translates better. It means to lift up. If you ever lived on a farm, my, my grandpa would have these tomato bushes. And on these tomato bushes, he would take what he called tobacco stalls. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got one person. Praise God. I'm in Oconee County. Some of you should know what I'm talking about. Amen? And he would stalk up those plants because if not, they would fall over. And if they touched the dirt, they would mildew or rot. And the fruit that we could possess, we lose it because somebody did not tend to divine. What the Lord is telling us this morning is this, that he wants you to produce fruit. And when this life begins to weigh you down and this life begins to come at you and when your attitude is foul and your marriage is in trouble and your child that you raised in church is not coming to church and you almost get to the point that you're gonna wilt upon the pressure, there is still one who dresses the vine who will come lift you up and hold you up that you still might produce fruit in your life. Don't you let this life destroy you. If you belong in God, if you have fellowship of life and unity of purpose, then you should produce fruit and God will help you to produce that fruit. Brother Nolan, what causes us to, to let us fall down to the ground in such a way? You're either a new convert and you don't know any better yet, 
Or you're letting the world come at you in such a way that your immaturity and faith is shining through. Hello? You're mad with somebody in church, so you stay home. You're immature. You have, you're not producing fruit. I guarantee you, your child or your grandchild, somebody has heard you eat the pastor, the deacons, or somebody at, at lunch, and they're not coming to church right now. You can blame the devil. You can blame the church of God. You can blame the Baptist, the Presbyterian. But I'm going to be honest with you, honey. What probably is your children had heard you gossip, and why do they want to go to a church that you don't like anyway? I don't know why. Because you ate everybody up. And then they see you when you walk by, kiss, oh, I love you, I prayed for you this week. Real, okay. If that's prayer, you just stop, just stop. They're seeing that because of that immaturity. Now, if you're a new convert, that's all right. But if you're an immature believer, you should know better. And that's why you're not producing much fruit in your life. Yes, it's been 40 years since you've been saved and you brought one person to the church. One person in 40 years, praise God for that one person. But you're too cold and you're too anointed and you're too talented to allow your flesh to dictate what God is trying to produce in your life. No man has ever spoke like this man. By doing this, when he lifts up, he props up the vines. Aren't you glad that when we're tired and weary, even in our immaturity or our newness to the faith, or even when life weighs us down, that there is still a rock that we can lean on, that God says you may have messed up, but I want you to know I'm not gonna cast you out, but I'm gonna lift you up because I know that there's goodness inside of you. I'm glad that in my sin that nobody else, they laughed when I said God had called me to preach because they didn't know what God already knew about me. God knew apart from him, I was a wretched soul. But in him, I was somebody just like you are. And so when you're weak and heavy laden and you're not seeing what you want to see in your life, go back to the rock of ages and lean on almighty God and God will restore you and make something great out of your life. Come on, give God praise. God doesn't judge us here, but gives us encouragement because God sees something in us that the world does not see. I'm telling you, don't give up on your children. Don't give up on the people of this community. Don't give up on those right now who are hard-hearted. A preacher, what if somebody's mad at you or this, that? I'm a pastor. I cannot have the right to get fleshly. I have to pastor this community and believe that if they have one encounter with God, God can turn their soul around. We give up on people when we shouldn't. When God is saying, if they'll just abide in me, I can make something great out of their life. Watch the next part. Not only will he lift up, so that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Not only does God want you to do something good and bear fruit, fruit the Christ-likeness of our lives, because in our Christ-likeness, we invite others to be as we are through him. He says, then God will come by and he will prune, take back a little bit, prune that you might do what? That you might produce more fruit in your life. This word pruning means to cleanse. Understand at that time when they were the grapes of that culture, <laughs> nah. I don't know if y'all do this up here. I wish I had, anybody a farmer in here? Anybody farmer? Nobody a farmer? Wow, I'm not in the PD anymore, am I? Amen. That's all we have in the PD. In the springtime, they'll take these crop dusters 
and they will come by. And if you have animals, you better put them up because they will just pour out this stuff on the, on the plants and it will kill, cleanse everything so that the fruit might burst forth and nothing will hinder it. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the word's talking about right here. God wants to go to work on your saved life that's not really sanctified totally. And God wants to prune some things back, cleanse some things, take away some things. At the, this time, these plants will produce what they call suckers. And if they don't tear those away, these false sucker shoots will drain the resources and keep the best fruit from growing. That's what God's trying to do in your life. No man's ever spoke like this man. God is trying to prune some things because you've got some things in your life that is sucking the resources out of your life. Brother, no, I'm just so busy. God has blessed me so much, I can't even come to church. That's not God. Nope. Got some people home laid up in a bed. God blessed them with a good job. And now when they didn't have a job, they didn't miss church, they're crying at the altar, and now they're blessed, and you can't find them about once every three months. And when they come back to church, they shout louder than anybody else, oh, God's been good to me. No, God's trying to prune some things. And if you're not careful, God will go to work on you and you're not gonna like it. See, if God doesn't take those things away that take your energy, then you'll abide there instead of abiding in him. Oh, is anybody listening this morning? See, these springs that pop up, they draw away and they keep us from the big production in our life. Not performance, but fruit. See, you don't understand, young person, you don't understand God's got greatness for you, but you've got that one boyfriend, that one girlfriend. You should be prayed up, but you can't because you're always praying about forgiveness so you can never pray for power. Oh, I wish somebody would listen. You can't get to that next level of faith because you're still praying about whether or not you should tithe, adult. So you're stuck right down here. You've got a little bit of fruit. You're not bearing much fruit because you're still fussing over trivial things. I have more questions come to me about things that don't matter. Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? Can I do that? You work that out with the Lord. But can I ask you this or tell you this? While you're asking God about these silly things, God is trying to invite you to come deeper in him that you might bear much fruit. Some things that we're fussing over don't even matter. Oh, I wish you were listening this morning. Not only will he take away, I got ten, nine minutes. Are y'all okay? Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, it's not Easter anymore. Amen. I might have to bring that second service back last week. Amen. Not only does he take away these things that take away from you, they also take away from the leaves that grew bigger than the fruit. The reason that he takes these away, because sometimes we have the idea of praising things that do not have the need to be praised. When I first started preaching, my pastor went to the pulpit and said this. I preached my first sermon. Somebody got saved. I was really puffed up. My pastor comes back to the pulpit and he says these words to me in front of the whole congregation. In the whole congregation, everybody. My mama's there. My grandma's there. I'm thinking I'm somebody. The church of God 
needs me. They can't live without me. I'm not 18. I'm so silly and ignorant and stupid at that time. I'm thinking I'm the best thing since last breath. My pastor gets in the pulpit and says this, I'm gonna brag on Brother Nolan. He has a gift that God's gonna use him, but you will never ever hear me brag on him again. Amen. 200 people in the house. My mama's there. She's crying. That's my baby. And he says, he doesn't need to be bragged on. If he brag on him and you lift him up, you'll cause him to fall. He will think that he's bigger than Christ. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to constantly be pruning his life. I'm going to inspect his life. I'm going to beat the wolves back. I'm going to beat the bugs back. I'm going to be his pastor. I'm going to be his shepherd. I'm going to rebuke him at times. He will either learn to take it or he will and he will leave. And if he's so immature that he will leave, then he will never fulfill what God has called him to fulfill. And let me tell you something. My pastor said things to me that I've never said to people on this staff. I'll never forget when I embarrassed him and he took me to a back room and he looked me in my eyes and said, Brother Nolan, now when I'm done chewing you out, we will be fine. But let me tell you what you don't understand, young preacher. You made a joke about me in front of the pulpit and everybody laughed about it. But some of those people, I've got to cast devils out next week, but they will not see me as the man of God. They will see me as a prankster and a jokester and he rebuked me openly in front of everybody but I didn't realize back then I needed the pruning more than I did the praise but the problem in church today we want the praise of man more than we do the pruning of the vine dresser. Are you listening? We can't take it anymore but let me tell you if you can take it God will go to work in your life he'll take back the cobwebs and the insects and everything that's trying to destroy you and he will produce a lot of fruit in your life. Some of us quit church because somebody wore the same dress that we wore. God help you. We get mad because somebody's gossiping about what we posted on social media. You posted it. Come on somebody. Anybody. I feel like I'm evangelizing this morning. Amen. This was supposed to be pastoral. You know why? Because we're not letting God the Father, the vine dresser, produce much fruit. We're satisfied with our two. And God is saying, I'm trying to give you 22, 202, 2002. We're satisfied with that one pat on the back. I am better than Sister Chapman. She's better than Brother Wayne. And we're, we're playing this church dance and this musical chairs and the Holy Ghost is saying, if anybody would just let me go to work, I would reprove your life of sin and lead you in the paths of righteousness and I can do in North Walhalla things that you have never, ever dreamed of. The vine dresser goes to the prune. To do this in my last five minutes, there's two things you've got to understand. First of all, you've got to abide. Ten times he mentions the word abide. He doesn't assume that his disciples are abiding, so he commands them to abide. If we don't abide, that constant connection of praying and fasting and humility and forgiving and asking for forgiveness and granting forgiveness, if we don't abide in him, our flesh would dominate the spiritual. But our flesh is never called to dominate the spiritual. Our flesh has been called to be crucified. 
I don't want to lose another marriage in this church. I don't want to lose a family. I don't want to lose somebody to the grip of hell. And to keep us from doing that, we have got to learn what the old church understood that if I don't abide, I'm not going to make it. To abide means to have that constant, consistent contact. I get up on Sunday morning and go to church because I know that I need him. I pray in my prayer closet, not when I need him, but I pray to honor him. And I'm wise enough to know if I don't need him today, I will need him tomorrow. But I don't wait till the trouble arises. I go to him every day and say, he knows me. See, that's what abiding means. That I made up my mind, I'm not leaving you. I'm not cheating on you, Lord. I realize that as I'm facing this last point, that if I don't stay in you, listen to me, young person, I don't care how pretty you are and how talented, and if you've got five degrees and you've got more trophy, trophies and accomplishments, there are people here that have more talent than I do. This may be for somebody who's going to listen to this online. See, the difference is this. I know I'm nobody, and I know I've been through some things. And if it had not been for the Lord on my side, who fought for me in my night seasons, I wouldn't be here. I need him. In me dwelleth no good thing. And when I thought at 18, Charles, it was foolish. But at 39, I know that I know that I know what the psalmist said. He woke me up this morning. The song said, and he started me on my way. It means that when I woke up and when I go to bed tonight, if, it was, if, if he doesn't show up, I won't make it. But if he shows up and I stay connected to the vine, we're going to produce some more people at this church and some more ministers and some more ministries and more choirs like the children's choir, youth choir, college and career choir. Brother Nolan's at fruit, absolutely. We're taking them from the death of hell, putting, seeing them saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, putting them in the ministry and then letting the world know if I can serve him at 22, so can you. By abiding, then we understand what he said. That detached branch in the physical or spiritual realm, it cannot make it on its own. If you cut that vine, if it's not attached to the source, it will die. But if it's attached to the source, if it abides, if it's pruned back, if the insects are off of it, if it's cleansed wholly, you know what'll happen? We can produce a lot of fruit. And then we can stand back up and say these words, unless I abide in him, I can do absolutely nothing. God specializes in taking the weak things of this world and confounding the wise. I'm a young man from a know-nothing town, raised in a Southern Baptist church, came to the church of God because I wanted a girl's phone number. And the next thing you know, I ran smack into the Holy Ghost. If God can do that for me, and make something out of me, you being more talented, more beautiful, more money, more resources than I have, I wonder what God can do in your life. But you hear me, you hear me, you who think that the world revolves around you. Let this young preacher 
maybe older preacher now, speak a word of wisdom in your life. Without him, whatever you're doing, it's not going to last. Oh, I could preach without him, but I'm just wasting your time. I can sing, Brother Ed. We talked about this this morning. I can sing without the Lord. You, you can bring people up here and pay them to sing. And you know what happened? You'll leave out of church going, that was a waste of time. But yet we got some people in this choir right here that we don't even pay. They just get out of a prayer closet. They prayed up. And they sing in this choir and they start singing. And visitors left last week saying, I felt the Holy Ghost while they sung. You know what I know why? Because they tell God, God, if you don't help me sing today, we're going to make a mess of this church. But God, if you show up and I stay connected to you and you sing through me, somebody might be blessed in the house of Almighty God. I come to let somebody know no man has spoke like this man. And he's letting you know this if you would just stay connected. Yes, you've got to resist some pleasures. Yes, you've got to tell some people no. Yes, college and career student, you might have to break up with somebody. Yes, you might have to wait until God says yes. Yes, older saint, you might have to make up your mind to realize that this word is going to convey. And sometimes you might not like what the preacher says. But if you stay connected to Jesus Christ, you might see your son and your daughter and your grandchildren get saved. And you might have much fruit in your basket. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Don, if I preach 40 years, nobody gets saved, but I preach for a paycheck, then I'm a hireling. But if Sister Hodges, who helped lead me to the Lord, who didn't even have a high school education, who used to travel with a guitar, sometimes by horse, and travel throughout the PD, Dylan and Latta, Hamer. Some of you might know where Hamer's at. And her and Sister Black preach so much that they birth churches. She does not have credentials because we won't credential her at that time. But yet her son preached the gospel for 45 years. She has two grandchildren who are still preaching the gospel. She has a daughter who's married to a preacher and she now has two great-grandchildren who are also preachers of the gospel. But my face is on the picture of the Church of God magazine, but yet I've led nobody to the Lord, but I pastor 400, and I look like I'm somebody. Or is that grandma who never receives the praise, who prays at 4.30 every morning? How do I know that? Because I've heard her pray then. Who prays every morning and has fruit hanging all off of her tree. She's uneducated. She doesn't know much about anything except that God's been good to her. Who has done more work for the kingdom of the Lord? So you got to be careful how I told you in my introduction on how you measure success. Success in the world's eyes can fool you. But now I'm also fruit off of her tree to God be the glory. I want you to bear much fruit. You can do it. Yes, you've got the talent. You've got the anointing. You've got the gifts. You sing better than I do. You preach better than I do. You look better than I do. But you've got to get one thing in your mind right now. The number one thing that God defeated in my life, outside of sin and salvation, I was an arrogant, prideful person when I was lost. God crucified it. <coughs> crucified it. It showed me I was absolutely nothing. And I stand here to tell you without him today, I am absolutely nothing. But I know him. And he's been good to me.
and in him I live and I move and I have my being. He is my God, my friend, my baptizer, my savior, my comforter. He's my all in all. I am everything in him and he lives in me and all that I have of value is because I know him. Amen? Will you give God the biggest hand of praise? Would you bow your heads? Father, I preached a word. No man's ever spoke like this. We've relied on our talents in the church and we've relied on our games and our gimmicks. We've relied on things that we've learned out in the secular world. We have tried to carry the church on an obstacle that you didn't prove. We've tried to hold up the tabernacle, the covenant, the ark of the covenant with hands that were unclean. God, we repent today of our sin. And we say to you right now, God, we have nothing without you. You are what we need. Holy, holy, holy is God Almighty. Jesus, we repent. Do not make me the biggest in the state. Do not make me the best in the church. Do not let our lights shine so bright that they lead us to sin. But God, keep us humble that we might know. And our story may not be one of self-praise, but of self-sacrifice. And we declare to others, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. He's a chain breaker. Amen? Here's what I want to do. Everyone that will, who will say, Pastor, I want to submit to you, to God, in a way, not me, but submit to God, you being God. I want to submit to him and just reconnect. Repent if you need to. And I want to, I want to abide in him. Abiding is good. Abiding means you can have church by yourself. I've been listening to this new song that's got an old school flavor called Waymaker, sung by the Pentecostals of Alexandria. I, I play it, Ashton was singing it this morning because I play it so much. Let me tell you something. I had church this morning right by myself. When you abide in the vine, you don't need Danny to lead you. Hello? The Holy Ghost himself will show up in you. I want you to abide and bear fruit. How many want to bear fruit today? Amen? Amen. Here's what I want you to do. Would you step out of your pew all over the house? All believers that would come, just come stand at the altar. I want you to lift up holy hands and reconnect back to God. Say, God, we realize that we cannot do it without you. We will hurt people. We will hurt the church. Would you listen to me as I close? Listen to me. I love back over here. We've got some of our finest members. Brother Mahaffey. Moved here from Virginia last month. Some of you may not know them. Very classy, polite. Brother, last month you've lost your mother and your father. How does a person, Denise, make it in one month? You cannot make it in your own flesh. When you leave the vine, you got to go find substance to help you cope. But if you learn to lean, be propped up by God Almighty and abide and say, God, I don't know how I can make it through that storm. But I know if you carry me and I abide in you, I can keep my fruit and not lose my mind. You understand? Only God can do that. It's my friend over here. Been through one of the worst storms of his life, but on Sunday morning, he's at the altar saying, God, without you, I'm nothing. How can we? Your child's lost. You prayed for 20 years. You don't see it. Most people would give up, and you would too, your own flesh. But the Holy Ghost will say, I'm still working. Stay with me. Stay with me. Abide with me. Can't do it without me. That's what I'm preaching this morning. 
Stay connected to the vine. Amen? I close with this. Lay the hand on the person beside of you at the altar, please. Close. Then I'm going to make my way to the front door. I can greet the body. Thank you for allowing me to preach this word. I pray that you've received it. I believe you're a good soul and good ground. Listen, God gave you those talents. He gave you that ability. He gave you that gift to speak. Now, I may not do you like Pastor Miles did me and rebuke me in front of the whole church. But can I remind you, you can't do it without him. You're not here for self-glory, but self-denial because you recognize he is what we've needed. Father, I preached your word. I've encouraged this body to trust you, to rely on you, to rest in you, to abide in you. Father, you'd go to work and you prune and you'd cut back, lift up, take away the bugs of our life. Why? Because God, these are people. These are good people. But God, you want them to do more. There's more we can do. There's more fruit that we can put in our basket. There are people that have new ministries that we've not seen yet, but they're walking in and out of you and they've got to learn to abide. Father, help us as we move forward in Jesus' name. To God be the glory. And everybody said, amen. Would you greet each other? Hug somebody's neck. We'll see you tonight, amen.